Okay, we're gonna do a quick second guess. Oh, that was a nice pop. Good evening, Nikki. <laughs> Hello, Leo. Happy Pride Month! Yes, happy Pride. How's it going? It's going great. We are back on the road and it feels amazing. Yes. It was a nice drive from Livingston. I am so happy to be outside Texas. <laughs> yes, three months in Texas was a little too long, but yeah. we're out. We made it. We're in Oklahoma, which is not that much farther <laughs> away, but we made it out. We made it out of the border. Betty did not break down. So, but you did crack the windshield. Oh my god! Yeah, it was literally five minutes before we got to this place, and it was a lot of gravel. I was really nervous, and boom, a huge rock kept, and then it just kept growing. And you were driving a jeep. That happens in jeeps. I mean, yeah, it happens a lot. So I was a little bit annoyed, but it happens. <laughs> it's part of the experience. Yes, we made it. That's okay. Um, and this park, I mean, it's pretty nice. It, yeah, it's nice. by the lake. Yeah, it's a great change. We're, you know, it's a smaller spot uh, right on the water, which is nice, you know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, to get right into I have this story is juicy. So I'm going to get right into this wine and then oh, we're going to get into it because there's a lot going on with this story. So Perfect. we have to jump right in. Can we do our thing? Sorry. Hi, this is Nikki. This is Leo. And this is the Motorhome Murder Show. <laughs> we did it. We did it. Okay, yeah. So thanks for tuning in this week. Yeah. Um, if you survived the last episode, I appreciate it. <laughs> um, new to podcasting, new to editing. So there's a reason that podcasts always start sounding better as it goes on. <laughs> but if you listened, thank you. And thanks for listening again. Yeah, so this week we are drinking a delicious natural wine, yes. a natural uh, skin contact wine. Skin contact wines are bigger in the natural wine world, yes. and it's they're made with white wine grapes. You leave the skins in longer, uh, and it develops a deeper, funkier flavor. Yes. This this wine is a super fun like summer wine, I would say. Yeah. And um, they generally have like an orange look to some most of them right skin contact are also known as orange wines right. yeah but this one so we're drinking a 2021 de la vend cortez and all the information about this wine besides what we think about it is coming from naturalwine.com uh, so this skin contact wine is from california and made with Sauvignon blanc and muscat grapes farmed organically in sonoma county and it's uh, a, pr a product from a project ba by Los Angeles-based natural wine importer, the Soil Expedition. And so there's not one winemaker or company. It's kind of like a project. So they gather the grapes from multiple farms in California, all in Sonoma County. Or, and then um, they make the wines in uh, Los Angeles oh, or in Forestville. 
So it's produced and bottled in S by SC Cellars in Forestville, but it's like a, a project collaboration. Everything's organically farmed. Um, it's unfined, unfiltered. And what do you? What would you have to say about this? Oh my what God. Do you... So I have to say my experience, uh, kind of drinking this uh, contact uh, wine or this orange wine, as they, we know them, uh, has been an adventure because they can be very, very funky. So I'm always very kind of like nervous about mm -hmm. you know buying a bottle, trying them. But I do have to say that I kind of like if you want to try one, this will be the one. It's very friendly. Um, and I just think about Summer Peach. I think like about that movie. What's the name of that movie? With uh, Call Me By Your Name. Oh, yeah. The peach scene in Call Me By Your Name. Is <laughs> that what you're thinking yes, of? That's All right. That's what comes to mind. This must be good. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Peach all the way is what I'm getting. Like peach rings, like the candy, just without the sugar. Like right. it's just that like peach essence, like that peach nectar essence almost. According to them, it's got like mango chutney oh. and tropical starburst flavor. Oh my, super fruit it. forward, which I definitely get. And uh, white tea undertones on the palate. Oh. I'm not really sure what white tea tastes like exactly. <laughs> so I'll take them on that. Yeah, and... They like on the site they said transports you to the sun and sandy beaches. It's yes. happiness in a glass. Oh my god, I see that. And I do have to say, as I was gonna mention, that I love looking at the bottles and this bottle is beautiful. I love the photo. It ha it gives me yeah, like beach vintage vibes with mm -hmm. your friends by the beach. Um so I'm I'm yeah, really it's got that like it vintage um polaroid feel yeah. um yeah and actually so i grabbed this bottle when we were in houston still at um the heights grocery grocer Beautiful. yeah great and funny because we had stopped there before and grabbed a bottle and then i went back and we had no real like we didn't realize that we had been at their sister store already in marfa, marfa right. so um we'd stopped at marfa wine company if, i mean like two months before and had an amazing time in Marfa sitting there enjoying their amazing wine selection mm -hmm. um, got a few bottles and then happened upon their place here and I remember the person that was working in Marfa saying they had a sister shop somewhere else in Texas I just did not pay attention to where <laughs> and we ended up going there anyway so yeah, when we realized about because of the bag too yes we were like oh my god wait not is... that they mentioned it to us or anything just that it was on the bag and I was like oh wait we've been to Marfa <laughs> wine company too so it, yeah. yeah uh Heights wine uh the Heights grocer really cool play like really nice cute shop yes. good products nice wine selection and a c couple other things to grab you know yeah like good stuff beautiful dishes that I kind of wanted but they will break in the RV <laughs> yes <laughs> unfortunately yeah. uh the time to collect uh, those things will be later if ever all right so now that we're you know we've talked about the wine we're refreshed take a gulp oh no. god uh, I think I'm, so I'm in for a ride we have to no we're in for a ride but we need to tell people where we're at. Yeah, let's talk about where so, we are at. So we're in Oklahoma, like we mentioned. And we're in Valiant, Oklahoma, uh, which is in the southeastern corner of Oklahoma, near Arkansas and Texas. And Texas. So it's in the, like, Oklahoma, Texarkana area, <laughs> um, near Idabel, I guess. Very rural. Very, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, I don't know going or like going to the grocery store going around town i don't 
get any vibes really it's just a very small town there's there's a dispensary for medical <laughs> marijuana dispensary the first, first thing we saw was like oh, um civilization they <laughs> advertise like i mean they have flags everywhere yeah. saying that they are a dispensary so they want you to know they're there <laughs> but yeah i mean i it doesn't there's a coffee shop i believe there's a grocery like very specific places and a gas station that that's the only place that you can get sick now so you like near us near so us. we're right out of town right. so we're we're up in a state park like parked on a lake seven miles out of town so we're very close to town but the closest thing to us is this <laughs> gas station that is popping <laughs> it's very busy um old school it's the first time probably since high school maybe even before that the gas pump doesn't have a card reader and you don't have to go in and pay first like you, you fill up first and, and then you go in and pay and i feel i that just i feel like i'm breaking the rules doing that because <laughs> it's been so long since you've been in a place that you can do that <laughs> yeah so i mean valiant it it seems okay i mean i wouldn't live here by any means it's too rural for me and yeah. it's too far away from too many things like I'm it's an, I'm not opposed to the rural. It's just that it needs to be closer to a, a city at least, like yeah. within a couple hours of a city. Out here, I feel like we're really far away from everything. So about Valiant a little bit more, um, besides just what we think about it, Valiant is home to the International Paper Mill. The pa- the mill was built in 1970 as the Weihauser Paper Mill. And it was the largest paper mill in the world at that time. Oh, wow. So it's a very large paper mill. It brought, obviously, a ton of jobs to the area, which is when most people around here really moved here, probably. Brought prosperity and to the county and is still probably the largest employer in the city and the county, according to some people. Like, it's a very prominent I mean, it's a huge factory, so anybody living out here, there's not a lot of jobs. They're probably working there. Right. Oh, and then, I mean, a little fun tidbit, since we're talking about crime. In 2018, a 22-year-old guy killed his ex-girlfriend and disposed of her body in the recycling bins at the International Paper Mill. That's not the story we're talking about, but but fun fact. The mill is not immune to crime itself oh because gosh. a body was disposed there. The body was not found there, but they found her blood on the recycling bins there. Oh my. But okay, so statistics about Valiant. Valiant is in uh, McCurtain County, and all of these numbers coming are coming from World Population Review. So in 2020, the population was 732 people. Wow. And that's down from the 755 that it was in 2010. Um, it's been steadily declining in population for the last 50 years. Wow. Um, and the population breakdown is 60.39% white, 17.25% black, 10.46% Native American, 7.71% uh, identify as two or more races, 2.75% Asian, and 1.44 identify as another. Um, there's nobody that identifies as a Pacific Islander or Hawaiian. So they know better than to come here, I guess. Like, they, they are out on the islands. They don't need to come to southern Oklahoma. I don't blame them. 
it, the population is 60% women, 40% men, and the average age is 42. And that's so the average age is 42 for the whole population, mm-hmm. um, but it's 33 for men and 44 for women. Wow, so, so, again, like the last one, women are older. Here it's a bigger age gap, I feel, but and interesting thing is that 98.82% are American born and 58.3% were born in Valiant or in the southeastern area of Oklahoma. So 58.3% are born and raised and living here still. Most of the crime here is in the drug and vandalism category and because of such a a low population um, any number is going to make the numbers skew as opposed you know like the percentage is going to make it seem like it's way more dangerous than it is because one crime in a group of 700 is a bigger percentage than one crime in a group of a hundred thousand so um the crime rate seems really high for the population but it's really not when you look at the numbers and it's mostly vandalism which is probably bored teenagers (laughs) (laughs) and drugs which it's probably because there's nothing else to do out here so people turn to drugs which happens a lot in in rural and small town so yeah since we've talked about how this place can be a little unsafe let's let's talk about something serious all right now i have taken a sip of wine and i think i'm ready um yeah take a sip let's let's get into this i think you can probably hear the crickets so if you can't very loud here yeah they are intense around and here there's like some sort of cricket that it sounds different than the other that is really scary at night walking sweetie i don't know it's very <laughs> intense out there and it feels like they're coming at you as opposed to like <laughs> shutting up when you get close or like going away they're coming at you <laughs> these oklahoma crickets i mm. tell you all right so today i'm gonna talk to you about the 2002 disappearance of hope danielle meek so this case as i was looking into it there's a lot of parallels with this and other cases that i've heard about um some very well-known cases and so i actually kept getting a little bit confused of like oh wait have i heard about this before (laughs) have i read this before because i don't know like there's just as as we get at the end we'll kind of recap and there's some similar similarities between this and multiple other cases that kept coming up and it wasn't until I looked in and some I'd even found somebody else saying the same thing of like oh I thought I knew this story because this and this and they were like and then somebody else you know I went down a rabbit hole (laughs) of con of comments on so many different things people were real intense in these converse in these comment sections but Somebody, other people were having the same thing as me in the comment section, and they were correct, and people were helping in lining them up with the cases that they thought. So I was not alone, <laughs> and once somebody said the case, I was like, absolutely, that's what I thought um, for one of them, but it's similar to a few. With that, like, I didn't find any other podcasts that have covered this before. Not that it matters, but I would tell you to go listen, or I would have listened. Right. Um, I didn't find anyone that has, uh, but I did find an investigation discovery show called bad blood has an episode season two episode two called losing hope and that's about this and it's a 40 minute episode of investigation discovery i got a lot of information from that (laughs) i got a lot of information from all these other things but like they were talking about things that i did not hear or find anywhere else also it's so much better when you see the actual people 
talking about it, you can you can hear the tone better. You know, like reading it, you're like, oh wow, they seem so caring. But when they're talking about it, they seem so heartless. Or you know, (laughs) it's a different tone or direction. So it was interesting. But besides the investigation discovery show, Bad Blood, I um, I also got a lot of information from the Cinemaholic, an article by Shraman Mitra, also from the Oklahoman. Penny Cockrell had a really good article about it, and then uh, the charlieproject.org. So on February 26th, 2002, Hope Meek was reported missing by her husband, Jerry Meek, mm-hmm. and she's never been seen since. But that's really just like the middle or the tip of the iceberg with this uh so we're gonna go back in time we're gonna go back to the beginning of it and then get to the point where she went missing and passed okay so hope meek was uh grew up hope boggs and she was the strong-willed independent stubborn child in a very strict conservative household so they were talking about how she was like the free will she was the determined Basically, she was the rebel child in a very strict household. <laughs> and that's according to her sister. Her sister said that she was like the free-willed strong one. She met her first husband, Brian, in St. Clairsville, Ohio, while she was working at McDonald's. And she was 17 at the time, and he was 18. She dropped out of high school, and they got married in February of 1994. And he shipped out for basic training in the Air Force, in March. So he shipped oh, out the gosh. next month. <laughs> wow. He was later stationed on Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, which she moved there with him, obviously, because they were married. Once he got stationed, she moved to be with him. And Leah, where, where's Holloman Air Force Base? Do you have any idea? No. Well, we've been there. It was It's White Sands. Oh, my God. It's the okay. Air Force Base outside Alamogordo. At White Sands National That's Park. Amazing. Okay, so I have a picture now. So in my you head. you know where where she moved to again? Another a very small town as well. Yes. I mean, small area, rural, um, beautiful though. I mean, White Sands is gorgeous. Yes. This was before it was a national park though. So oh, okay. So it was, I don't know, a state park. I don't know. It just got its <laughs> national like credits last year, credits, but. Yeah. So, yeah, they're in Alamogordo, and and in 1995, so they got married. In 1994, the next year, in 1995, she gave birth to their child, Jamie Claire. Soon after, the pressures of marriage and parent life really took a toll on Hope. She and Brian started arguing a lot, and she developed a habit of running off with Jamie, um, her daughter, whenever things got rough, whenever they got in an argument. She would just take the kid and run off for sometimes days at a time without contacting him. Like, she just need to get away and cool off i guess most of the time she was going back to see her family though so most of the time she was taking her daughter and going back and staying with her mom or her sister seeing family her sister said that sometimes brian did come with but most of the time it was her and her daughter coming to like get away from brian she was going back home all the time and her and her sister were really close um so she would confide in her sister obviously they were really tight um her sister's name is mary jane joy Oh my god. And I just love that name. Yeah, Mary that's Jane awesome. Joy. Like <laughs> the joy of Mary Jane. But one of the times that she went back home, she told her sister that she was not going to be uh like at Holloman very long, the Air Force base. Mm-hmm. She said she wasn't gonna be there long and that she had met someone else. Oh boy. So even though Brian didn't go back home with Hope every time or anything, like he was pretty close with his in laws. They 
he got along really well with them he became a part of the family very like very early on so mary was actually pretty disheartened by hearing that like she really did like brian and having him be a part of the family he wasn't just her sister's husband he was really a part of the family um so soon after hope followed through with this and she left brian and she left hollow man and alamar gordo with a man named jeff meek who was actually one of brian's friends so she had met him and started cheating on brian with jeff who was one of his friends um so then yeah she left town with jeff so together they left with her now two-year-old daughter jamie and they moved to jeff jeff's hometown valiant jamie's two they it's 1997 and they move to valiant and once her divorce went through they got married they went so, to, so they divorced. So she divorced Brian, left town, or she left town with Jerry, separated, left town with Jerry, and then filed for divorce. Oh Once God. it went through, she married Jerry at the courthouse. They just went and did a quick service, and then they were happily ever after in Valiant, Texas, in Valiant, Texas, Valiant, Oklahoma. <laughs> And things started off great with them. Uh, he was working at the International Paper Mill, mm-hmm. getting as many hours as he could. He was getting promotions. He was, you know, working his way up the ladder, doing his thing. He was a good father. Jamie, his stepdaughter, um, Hope told her sister Mary that Jerry was really sweet and caring towards her, that she was feeling really good, and things were going great, um, especially compared to the, the toxicity that her and Brian turned into. This right. was a fresh start. It was going really good. And then in 1997 as well, they had their first child together, Jerry Jr. And then a few years later in 2001, they had another child, Clea. So they became a family of five. He was a great father to all the kids. And while Jerry was working at the pa- at the mill, you know, working his, working his life away, <laughs> I guess, Hope was a stay-at-home mom, and she didn't really enjoy that she's an independent woman right she wants more out of life than to be a stay-at-home mom with her husband working weird hours because it's a mill and it's 24 hours like he was working night shifts and all that too taking overtime like he's busy she's at home with the kids in a tiny community right she's not liking it she also really did not enjoy living in a small town uh she reportedly felt trapped and suffocated and isolated which, I mean, that's not hard to imagine. Right. Um, she also felt that people were gossiping a lot about her around town, which, being from a small town, that's very plausible that right. people were. I mean, that's what happens when people don't have anything better to do. Cause, and that's she was near her family, right? No, his family. Oh, his family. Oh, so she that. moved to his hometown with him. Oh, okay. So they're close to all of his family, but her family... I mean, they didn't say, I don't think she, I think they moved around a bit when she was growing up, but when she was 17 and met her first husband, it was in Ohio. Oh, okay. So she, yeah, she's not, she drives back to see her family and stuff. But there's no one like. But she doesn't have people immediately there. So I'm sure she would feel isolated, especially as a stay at home mom with three kids in a town that she doesn't really know anyone. Her in-laws are around, but. She's not close with them. I mean, that has to be hard. 
she didn't let living in such a small town or her feelings of like being trapped or anything stop her or hold her back though because at one uh, she kind of came to terms with the fact that she wasn't happy and it wasn't she wasn't happy with things that were out of her control but she needed to take control of things that she could and like make herself happy i guess um so she started she got her ged and she started going taking college classes working towards her bachelor's degree in criminal law oh wow and she also with that she got a um she started working with the mccurtain county sheriff's office um as an inmate escort so like transporting the inmates oh wow so she was working towards her criminal law degree she was working in the justice system like She's really working. Trying to get involved. Yeah, like really empowering herself and like going after things that she wants, not just sitting back. But that's when things got really rocky with Jerry. Oh. Because he did not like her working at the sheriff's office. But, or he didn't like a lot of things. But, (laughs) so that's when things got rocky with Jerry. And that's also when like the small town rumor mill really got going Mm. about her. Since she worked at the sheriff's office and Jerry mostly worked nights, she, apparently she would often go down and hang out at the a police station and ha- have leave the kids at daycare. So instead of being at home with the kids, she was working and she was leaving the kids at daycare, which many working parents do. Right. But in such a small community, people were talking. Being... It was very ill. You know, people were just yeah. like, she... What a, what kind of mother would do that? Like, leave the kids with a babysitter? Like, ugh. But the rumor started that she was sleeping with a few different men, including oh a few of the police officers that she was working with, which there's no evidence to say that she was, but small-town rumors started that she's she's a, wom- a married woman hanging out at the police station with all these police. She's oh obviously sleeping gosh. with them, you know? So rumors got about... Whether there's any evidence saying she did or didn't, I couldn't find it, but rumors were about that she was sleeping around. But it really was no secret um, that her and Jeff had issues and didn't always agree. So, I mean, that just kind of goes along with that would probably like, push her towards cheating. or You know, that would probably just egg on these rumors, the right. fact that people know that they're not happy. So, yeah, Jerry didn't, didn't like her working there. Um, he also, even without the rumors of affairs or anything he didn't like her working there and he was quite vocal about disapproving of her work choices it's also mentioned multiple times in certain things but not in others that she was she practiced wicca like the she was she a was witch. a witch she I was she that. practiced wicca um this and the like being in a community where she was being like pushed away that she felt isolated and alone. That kind of like pushed her towards her Wiccan beliefs more, mm-hmm. which awesome. I mean, like I she's like spiritual. Her. Like she's an independent spiritual woman. Yes. Like <laughs> I love it. Um, but needless to say, Jerry didn't like that either. Um, her in-laws are definitely the ones that mention the Wicca and Wiccan beliefs the most. Her father-in-law seems like a total douche, and he's the one that says it the most, that she was a witch, that she was Wiccan, that her evil beliefs, all that. So I don't know how far to believe that, but it's mentioned multiple times, and I love that fact. (laughs) So I hope she did. 
the neighbors also claimed that they would often hear Hope and Jerry arguing, and it would lead to violent fights. Uh, One neighbor was fairly certain that Jerry was beating Hope. Like, he was... He heard a lot of arguments, he, and he was pretty sure that there was a lot of domestic abuse going on. So, yeah, I mean, their, def, their relationship definitely became toxic. They argued all the time. He didn't support or approve of her choices. Uh, her family had judgment, or his family had judgments against her. The rumors in town, like, there's just so a much. Lot, a lot. Um, obviously, a lot of pressure on the relationship, too. That They started getting into the on-again, off-again rotation, like, They'd get together, they'd fight, they'd blow up, she'd leave, come back, they'd do it, you know, they just got in this on-again, off-again repetition thing. Mm-hmm. It's also noted that she was seen going out to bars in the area without her husband while he was working the night shifts. She would go out, um, leaving the kids with babysitters, because she felt alone, she needed to get out, she needed to socialize it, yeah. you know, she needs to get out, she needs to have fun, she needs to socialize. So, she was going out, and... In the Bad Blood episode, they that they, they like when they're talking about this. This is when they introduce the uh, fam, the meek family friend, Tiffany Oni. I think it's Oni, maybe Oney. It's O N E Y. It's like Oni. I'm terrible with last name. So this is who. Um. So Tiffany, uh, mentions a night that she saw Hope out at a bar getting very intoxicated, and like they were, quote quote friends. She knew her, and when you see someone you know that has kids and you don't really have anything in common, she asked about the kids, you know? She was like, oh, how are they? Where are they? Like, who are they with if you're here and he's working? Right. And Tiffany, you know, said that she, or um, that Hope had said she left them with a sitter and said the friend that was babysitting and then proceeded to go about her night. And then Tiffany said that later on that night, she stopped, they were at, she was at a gas station, and um, she ran into the woman that oh, no. Hope said was babysitting the kids. So she was like, who actually had the kids? Were the kids at home alone? Which the kids are, there's three children under the age of seven. I I doubt that she left the three. three kids alone, even if they were in bed or whatever. Like, it's a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and an 11-month-old. Oh my I do not see her leaving them at home alone. But... Possibly. Maybe she did. Oh, my God. But they had three... She had three kids. This woman asked where they were. She sat at home with the sitter and named the sitter, and then the sitter Maybe she was, was seen somewhere else. She missed that's that's what I'm thinking. Maybe she just mixed up the name, but she's like, they're with the, the sitter. Like, maybe that woman babysat last time, and she just said the wrong name. Right. Like, yeah, this Tiffany woman, though. Mm. <laughs> we have we'll, questions. We'll get to Tiffany. Oh, shoot. So, this brings us to November 19th, 2001. Mm-hmm. Jerry Meek wrote, wrote in a police statement that, they'd argue, that he and Hope had argued about custody of the children and the household belongings. They were in s- discussions of separating officially, like, divorcing. It was getting to that November point, 19th. They, yeah. So, they were discussing separation. Uh, or, he wrote that they had been separated for two months. And she came to visit, or she was visiting... And she would often visit and use the kids as weapons against him. So she would show up and be like, I'm taking your kids if you don't. Supposedly. This is what he's saying. He's saying that she was weaponizing the children against him. And they were, but they had had a discussion about custody and dividing up assets when they separate. 
and he said that she or she was threatening that she would tell the police that he was abusing her which makes absolutely no sense because that's no threat like the police are already aware of the abuse in this house the police have been called multiple times by the neighbors neighbors about for the abuse in this house it's no secret to anyone in this town no secret to any of these 700 people that there is abuse in their house like her she that is not a threat like (laughs) i don't know that to me is weird that he wrote a statement saying that she was threatening to tell them she was abusing or he was abusing her when everyone already knew he was um and it was already documented abuse so it's just there's no threat but he's saying that she was threatening him so that happens in november and then on february 21st 2002 jerry told the police that he and hope were in the process of separating as you know we'd already heard in november uh it's february they're still in the process of separating he had gotten home from the night shift that morning and she said that she was done that she couldn't take it anymore she's done she's out um she's leaving but she couldn't leave with the kids home it was going to be way too hard to say goodbye to the kids if they were home so he needed she needed him to take them away but she also was desperately needed five hundred dollars but she whenever she had a like the habit of leaving before it was always with the kids so i don't understand why she would leave the kids especially the oldest who's not even his to go off by herself early eight probably right no the daughter's six oh wow so the oldest daughter's six, and like so, she's Very her oldest daughter with Brian is six from the previous marriage, and then her kids with him are four or yeah, four and eleven months. I think, yeah, right? oh so God. they're young, and she's leaving them with him. She just needs five hundred dollars, and she can leave town. But she needs him to take the kids away so that she can leave while while they're like gone. He said that he saw Hope inside their home at 3 p.m. when he gave her $500 to leave, and he went to pick the kids up at daycare and then take them camping. So while they're on this camping trip, she's leaving. Oh, my gosh. Remember, this is February. Right. And we're not in Miami. It's cold <laughs> in February. Yeah, imagine, especially here. And he's yeah. taking an 11-month-old, oh a 3-year-old, and a 6-year-old camping. In February, in a tent. In a tent? Oh my god. Like, that makes absolutely no sense. Like, he's leaving tent. So, he said, yeah, let's let's just, you know, he said that he took the kids camping in February and left her with $500 in the house. at the house to leave town while they're camping for the night. That night, around midnight, they returned home which camping trips usually don't end at midnight. But why did it end? Oh, because it was too cold to go camping. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's too cold. (laughs) (laughs) Jerry said he took the kids up and set up the tents, and then it was just too cold. So they loaded up in the the truck. They drove around. Uh, He made a stop to get the kids some snacks um, in Broken Arrow. He then drove down to Paris, Texas, where he bought a lottery scratch ticket, um, and then they finally drove back up to Valiant. The whole drive was roughly about 150 miles that they drove around around. at night 
I mean, right. Exactly. With three children <laughs> in the winter because she was leaving town, supposedly. So they get home around midnight and Hope and the $500 are gone, but her 1985 Chevrolet pickup truck is in the driveway. The keys are inside. Her cell phone is inside. Her purse and wallet are still at the house. And her eyeglasses are still at the house. Literally all of her belongings, except for herself and this money he supposedly gave her, are like everything's there except for her and the money. What? Supposedly. So, what? Like, (laughs) it's wild. Like, no, I, I don't know anyone that would leave town. And her sister said that she was she had really bad eyesight. Right, that's what I was gonna say. So, I cannot leave house. If you know, I don't have my glasses. Like nobody, so like her sister was just flat out like she wouldn't leave without her eyes. Like no. she literally cannot function without her, you know, for good without her glasses. Right. She's not leaving town without her glasses. Also, like, so then he didn't report her missing for five days. Remember, so this happened. The night of the 21st, or midnight on the 21st, which would be the night of the 20th to the 21st. Right. And for five days, he doesn't say anything. They, they, he didn't call the police to report her missing for five days until the 26th. Oh my gosh. So her family, and her and her family were really close. Her and her sister were really close. They talked on the phone almost every day. And her sister just stopped hearing from her, was calling her all the time. And they were calling the house phone all the time, and he was just not answering because he knew who, that it was her family. Oh my God. Like, he literally just, like, ignored her family, trying to call and get a hold of her for five days before he finally was like, oh, oh I guess maybe she didn't leave because her family doesn't know where she is either. Oh my God. Let me call the police. <laughs> yeah. So, Valiant Police Chief David Carell said none of it made sense to him, and he suspected that it was foul play from the very beginning. He said that, like, I've obviously, she worked at the police, at the sheriff's right, office. Right, exactly. so she, know, so she knew people that... he's were... interacted with her, and he said, like, it was completely out of character that she would never just snap and leave, you know, like, at the flip of a switch, just leave town, leave her children behind. Like, that was not something that she would ever do. He didn't know her that well, but he was just like, that's not something that was in her character. Um, and then Hope's sister, Mary Jane Joy, Love it. she said that she it was well that her sister would never leave the kids. Like, that's something that she would just never do. Right, and and then, like, what is reported that she, if she ever went back to their, you know, to her family with most, like, mostly with her kids, that's yeah. a... Well, with the first husband, it was just the daughter, but right. she went Still, back with the daughter she, every time. Right. She, she never left the daughter with the first husband. So why would she suddenly start leaving all the kids, like the kids with the husband? But the, so the sister said that um, that was completely out of character, that she would she would definitely be in touch with her family, at least because they had both had histories of being in abusive relationships. They had spoke nearly um just a month before uh she disappeared they had made a pact that quote we swore if either of us had to leave because the uh, one or the other was beating on us that we'd call the other and be in touch and she never called her sister right yeah so she made a pact with her sister that like if she left because she was getting beat she would call her sister and she never called her sister like 
clearly something's up. Something's up. Um, Also, when it comes to the money. So Jerry said that she begged for $500 to leave because she needed some money to hit the road. But when police were investigating their house, they found, like, the paperwork for their income taxes and everything. And on February 22nd, so the next day Uh from her disappearing... They were supposed to be receiving the direct deposit of their income tax returns of over six thousand dollars. So why would she leave town the, the day, day before they they're supposed away. to get this money and only ask for five hundred dollars when she knows the next day they're getting six thousand dollars? Yeah, that's like something there. Why would she leave that? Day? Why wouldn't she? If she was the one that was like, he got home and she's like, I'm leaving. Why wouldn't she just be like? I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna cool off for today and take all that money tomorrow. Like interesting, yeah. No sense, none. So Jerry Meek was asked to take a polygraph test and refused. He also got a lawyer. Obviously, I mean that's what you do. Um, whether you're, uh, I mean, a person of interest or not, like that's what you do. Clearly, so they conduct they uh the police conducted a massive search of McCurtain County with helicopters and cadaver dogs. They searched the Meek resident and had no leads. Um, um, interestingly enough, Jerry was redecorating the house shortly after and was ripping out a lot of the flooring, which the house had already been gone through and they didn't find anything. But he was redecorating with that $6,000, I guess. So as he was ripping out the carpet and stuff, the police were going through it and they still didn't find anything. So he just... Weird timing with that. Um, but then... Less than two weeks after Hope disappeared, on March 6th, 2002, Jerry filed for a divorce. So his wife is missing, and he files for a divorce. Oh, wow. Because she wasn't declared dead or anything. Right, she that makes sense. missing. So then our uh, good old friend Tiffany... No. Oney, no who worked at the daycare with the children and became the babysitter because jerry worked such long hours at the plant <gasps> at the mill she moves in in no. in 2004 no <laughs> so she did wait 2 years but she moved in she's she swooped right in there oh my god yeah what? so and then in 2007 they had their first child together. And at this time, the, like, they really... Hope's family really feels that Jerry and Tiffany were really trying to erase Hope from existence in the house. Oh, my God. And she moved into their house. So, like, the house that she was Hope was living in, oh my God. Tiffany moved into with the kids, just took over. Yeah, so... In 2007, they had their first kid, and that's when Hope's family really felt that, like, they were erasing, and they wouldn't let the kids come to visit. They wouldn't let them visit the kids. Like, oh they really just, like, God. separated the kids from Hope's family and really just would not let any communication happen. And then Hope's parents sued Jerry for custody of the oldest daughter, who wasn't even Jerry's. Right. Like, she doesn't belong in that house. So she, they sued and lost. Oh my god. Be probably because it all had to go down in his home area. Right. And they didn't want to separate the children is what was they the see. reasoning for it. They didn't want to sep- her, separate her from her siblings, so she had to stay with Jerry oh 
they did get visitation, like summer visitation and stuff, but they did not get custody. Which, what? Yeah. Oh my so god. So then Hope's family tried everything while they were searching for her. Like they they consulted with consulted with psychics. They searched the woods themselves. They did everything and they and nothing came up. Nothing. Oh for years. God. Nothing nothing happened. So years go by and the Valiant police claim to have gathered enough evidence to prove that Hope was not alive and that she had died on February 20th or 21st, 2002. Because after February 21st, 2002, she ceases to exist in any 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 form, really. Okay. There was no activity with her social security number. There was no cell phone. Her cell phone was left at the house. Right. There was no activity. And Valiant... Re, or the county received got a new DA was a new DA was elected and he took over investigating the case and he was really looking to solve a lot of the like older cases right. so he really got at really put the got the ball rolling with this because he opened the case back wide open really got examining it and was like hey they they went through every state's database for driver's licenses to check about the social right. security all of that and nothing like no banks, no drivers, like nothing happened after that day. So all signs point to that she was killed that oh day. Oh my God. So over time, like over those years, the police had also received um, a lot more information. They'd received some security tapes from the Walmart in Hugo, um, where Jerry had told them that he had stopped the day before going camping while the kids were at daycare he'd Mm -hmm. gone out to get camping supplies and he told them that he'd stopped at walmart to get camping supplies well when once they got the footage and everything the camping supplies that he bought was two 50 gallon totes what so like two 50 gallon tubs no that's not camping equipment like (laughs) Maybe they um, putting his carpet over the house that he was planning. Right. Oh my um, god. He had also he'd also taken out a thousand dollars from the bank, not five hundred, and he was missing from work that day. Hmm. So you know he said that he got home from work. Right. But he wasn't at work that day. Oh. And yeah, so interesting little thing there, but they also had er. He was missing from work on the 21st, not the 20th. So he got from home from work on the 20th, okay. and then they went camping, but he never went to work. He was supposed to go to work that night, not camping. Oh, okay. Um, so they also had a recording from February 20th, 2002, so like the day before, when Hope called Jerry at work to confront him that he, about an affair he was having. Oh, my. <laughs> so no. they had a recording of her confronting him while he was at work that he was having an affair and then the next day she just mysteriously yeah without her children oh my god without half the money they were supposed to be getting yeah so i can i can it's all starting to you know line up a little bit but they also found that Jerry had purchased a large plot of land, about 50 acres. I mean, that's that's a good chunk of land, which was between Valiant and the campsite that they went to. Oh, my gosh. So he would have had drive, driven by it at least once that night 
going up and going coming back to go to the other place you know driving around so they're like oh that's the perfect spot to drop a body clearly <laughs> like the police Jeez. find the da finds that um however i mean so it's 50 acres in what they say is one of is one of the largest and the most rural counties in oklahoma oh so it is rural it is thick trees thick foliage he had when they get there i mean it's been years since it's been in his since she's been missing but he hasn't really done anything with it it's not developed or anything so they're like oh if he left the body out here it would be probably hopefully easy to find they get cadaver dogs they go out there but they don't find anything um comes up with dead ends but that doesn't mean anything that's a big chunk of land it's been time with the declaration that hope was dead Mm -hmm. um and not missing they were able to build up a case with enough circumstantial evidence that in august of 2012 investigators arrested 39 year old jerry meek at work what? in the international paper mill. Oh my god. They went up in there and, and arrested him ass. in front of all of his coworkers <laughs> and friends. Oh. Oh my gosh. Love it. Love to hear it. Love to see it. <laughs> and Jerry was booked into the McCurtain County Jail on first degree murder complaint with a bond of $250,000. So, court was really the time for her family and friends to really try to make an impression and like really get justice rolling for her right. and hopefully find her body. They testified about the abuse that they had witnessed and that she'd told them about. The police testified about the abuse that they had witnessed and the um and about all the reports that they had had to file. Right. Um reporting all the domestic abuse in the household. But what really drove the nail drove it home and really drove the nail into his coffin was when Jamie, the oldest daughter, testified. <gasps> okay, what? No, <laughs> no, no, no. And she claimed that that night their parents were fighting, uh-huh. as usual, and her mom suddenly went quiet. <gasps> and then the next day, her and her brother were helping their dad cut carpet out of the bedroom oh my god so clearly literally put the kids to work on the carpet what? he had them help i mean it was the kids the a six and a three-year-old they're just but sitting there but still, still like they were there while he was ripping up the carpet no. from probably killing their mother so investigators believe that he used the to- two totes that he bought at walmart that day to dispose of the body somewhere along the route to the campsite on his land most likely but there's so many places it's a very rural stretch there's plenty of animals around here that would help you get rid of the evidence and it's been so long like they just there's so much open land to search and it's so it's so thick that it was just impossible to at the end of the trial the jury deliberated for five hours and convicted jerry meek of murder and recommended They recommended a sentence of life in prison without parole. Wow. Yeah. So presently, he's in the North Fork Correctional Center in Sayre. In 2015, he tried to appeal the life sentence, but the courts rejected his plea and upheld the original sentence. Wow. So he's he's stuck there. So his family and Tiffany 
adamantly claim that he's innocent. Tiffany claims that he had never, he's never yelled at her, he's never raised his hands at her. They lived a picture-perfect marriage and life with these children. Her life is ruined now that he's in prison. Like, she really, in the show, she played up the victim card on herself. Him being in prison has just ruined her life and the kids' lives and doesn't acknowledge the fact that he more than likely killed this woman. She's adamant that he's innocent and that she just ran off on her own accord. She left town. Oh she my God. she she slept around and she left town <gasps> and maybe because of her slutty behavior no. she ran into the wrong kind of person and that's what happened to her. But it wasn't Jerry. Oh my God. His parents also kind of say the same things. I'm pretty sure his family, maybe even Tiffany are in some of these chats because <laughs> Just people are intense and they are adamant that like some of them are just adamant that she got what was coming to her because she was just she was a dirty girl and she got what oh, was coming to her my God. um it's just it, it, was, it was crazy like they yeah like so many of them it's interesting to me that they're like oh she got what was coming to her but he didn't do it like <laughs> why did she do, right. like if any if if she deserves it from anybody, it would be him. Because she was sleeping around. Right, exactly. But he didn't do it. He had every reason to do it, but he didn't do it. Like, that's what they're saying. That's that what all of them so, say. Is I mean... He had every reason, but he didn't do it. <laughs> I can't. I am shook. I can't. I can't even. You know? It's wild. So... I know it was long. There was a lot of stuff, but it just, it kept going on. Like every, (laughs) Every there was so much that I just didn't want to leave out. And the case that it overlapped with in my mind the most is uh, the Powell case in Utah of missing Susan Powell. In the winter, her husband took the kids camping in December. (laughs) Like, no, you don't go camping in December. You don't go camping in February. Like, you don't take kids camping. Taking them to a cabin. I just don't even understand. <laughs> I and but again and with the Powell one as well. Like they returned home at a weird time. Why? Because you don't go camping in the mm. middle of winter in a tent. Like what? Without and, the proper gear. And the fact that I mean, this is two thousand and two, right? Like going to Walmart, saying that you're gonna, they are obviously gonna get footage from that. And like, but it's crazy <laughs> because the first DA didn't. Right. I mean, small. Exactly. So then it's like, oh, he was probably connected. This is where his family's from. Like maybe he, they're connected through the thing. I've I've witnessed that kind of so crap go terrible. on. That nepto, you know, all that go on. I've witnessed it. So it's just like, it's not far fetched that can, you can edit this out. But fuck the police. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um. But yeah. So crazy. I I feel bad. I'm pr- I mean, I'm certain that it was him. I mean, everything points at him. I mean, there's not a... He's not clever, I feel. They... they The fact that they have so uh, such a history of domestic abuse, and, like, both of them, real are just the situation. Like, they, they have such a history of abuse in the household. 
and like the tensions were rising between them right he is reportedly having an affair that she just called him out on <laughs> right and then there's and evidence he's, but... he's going home from work to a house where they're about to argue and then suddenly she goes missing the next day yeah that's really odd and no i just don't i don't get it so on bad blood they stage it very dramatically where her sister mary jane is going to visit Tiffany because their families have been torn. You know, they hate each other. Right. And they're all trying to, because Tiffany's trying to prove that Jerry's innocent. Oh, my God. And Mary's really just trying to figure out what the hell happened to her sister. Right. She's like, if it proves Jerry's innocence Fine, and finds out what happened to her, then great, let's do this. Right. But let's figure out what the truth is. Let's figure out what happened. Exactly. But the way they stage it is just so dramatic. But Tif- mm, Tiffany's in, she's in denial. Like, <laughs> she, I don't know. There's something weird there, too. Uh, she, she swooped right in there. From babysitter to mama. Uh, I can't even. I can't even. Yeah, so... Like, at least take the glasses. Right? Make it look a little more believable. Right, like... Take the glasses, take the car keys, take... Do something. 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 Like, the wallet, at least. Like, I don't know. Throw the glasses in the purse <laughs> in the car. That makes it even more believable right. because she was maybe headed out out the door and, and somebody said, snatched her. Right. Like, that's even more plausible <laughs> than they snatched her in the $500, but not her purse, right. not her car. Like, at what stage did they do something? Like, what? Like... They should just take a butt? Like, that, we're not in the city. Like, you know what I mean? Like... What are you going <laughs> to do without an ID? Right. You can't get a hotel room. You can't do anything without an ID. I can't. And she didn't take it with her. Wow. No. I can't. I can't. But he is... In He's jail. in prison. He's in prison. Where he belongs. Was, right. I mean... Oh, my gosh. And I would say where he allegedly belongs, but he was charged. It is not alleged if he's charged. Right. <laughs> um, specific with our language. Yeah. And, you know, like, yeah. I mean, domestic violence is never the answer. No, 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 no. There's a lot in, packed in there. Wow, I can't even. I'm speechless. Well, on a um, Valiant hasn't. I mean, for us, it hasn't been the worst place to visit. Hasn't been the best place to visit. Not the worst. It's a very quiet, small town. Yeah, no, and and I, just honestly, seeing the people coming, enjoy the lake, and driving by. The people that work at the park have been very nice mm-hmm. to us. Like, it hasn't been anything bad or anything, but... Yeah, so this is just an unfortunate community. situation that yeah. happened in a small community, um, which sadly happens in... Many places, I mean, yeah. So many... Every... I mean, it happens all around the world, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, this just shows that small towns aren't immune to it. Right, exactly. Yeah. But, anyway, Leo... Wow. If people want to talk to us, where can they find us? Well, they can check out our website, the rbboyswithanai.com. And they can find me at Reina Salty in Twitter and Instagram. And how about you? Uh, you can find me at Nikki RV Boy with an I as well on Instagram or and Twitter. Wow. I, I Honestly, I think that was a really good story. That was a really good. down story. So yeah. I'm not really sure how to just like wrap this up on a happy note. Right. I'm uh, just going to finish this wine and 
And just keep going about our life. I'm already, uh, this time, at least, I'm not freaked out. But I'm excited for you to t keep telling your story. And yeah, well, see you all next time. Thank you. Bye. See you soon. <laughs>